an amazing time to take a sip of coffee, okay? Just <laughs> impeccable. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're recording. Well, you know, you want me to be alive and energetic <laughs> and excited as we launch into this second Q&A for the super exciting and epic to discuss the finale and the second half of Bella's Comet, a.k.a. Hell's Crater. I Ooh. am once again your host for this, your friendly neighborhood K, the uh, GM for the Dude Ways Watcher podcast. Listen to us, uh, but we're not here to talk about me today. We are here to talk about the absolutely exciting and thrilling conclusion to an epic miniseries that was created and brought to life by these four people who are all joining me. Uh, Grant, you want to lead us off? Tell us who you are, and then pass the bucket. Who's next? Hi. Uh, that was the weirdest hi I've ever said. Like, I got caught off guard. Uh, hi, I, I'm, I'm Grant Nordine. I was the guide for part one of Bella's Comet, and in part two, I played everyone's favorite sexy android, Icarus Olbers, also known as Io. Yeah, hi, I'm Leah. Uh, in the first half, in the Bella's Comet half, I played Astrid, um, and I took over as the game marshal for the second half in Hell's Crater. You call it game marshal? Yes, it is. It is called the game marshal. Oh my god. <laughs> well, hi there. I'm, I'm Jenny. I, in part one, played Zara Ryan, the... Uh, school teacher slash scientist slash general nervous wreck. Uh, and in round two, I played um, Xavier Allen, the complete and total opposite of all of those ideas. You forgot hot. He is hot. And, it, and Zara is also hot. We, we, play, we have no ugly characters in this at all. Hi, I'm Squidzy. I played Hermes in the very first part. Um... And I played kind of a more aggressive form of Hermes in the second part. <laughs> a uh, copier I played... version. <laughs> um, Griffiths in the second part. That's us, Kay. Thank you guys so much. And I just want to say that uh, this has been absolutely thrilling of a miniseries to listen to. I personally have thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, so we have a few questions here, like we did at the end of part one, the official Bella's Comet. Um, first and foremost, I know this was kind of talked a couple times in the episodes, but Leah, you want to start us off by telling us a little bit about what was your idea for the subtitle of Hell's Crater when it comes to part two? Um, so normally whenever I have to name something, um, for a podcast or any creative endeavor, really, it takes me forever and I agonize over the decision because I am very much of the opinion that whenever you stumble upon the right name, it like there's that moment where it's like this is it right and anything that doesn't feel like that isn't good enough but this came to me almost immediately when i knew i wanted a different tagline for the second half of the show um the idea of there being a crater that we lived in right we knew that in bella's comet we lived in this crater and i was like okay crater hell's crater it was just like boom immediate um and yeah that's just that's just it it was just there it was just waiting just waiting for me and i know it's just accurate and i loved it uh so we have a few other questions here first i have a question for jenny uh Ooh. 
did Xavier develop a taste for human flesh, considering the number of people he bit just in the series alone? And I feel like it had been a lot more outside the series. Oh my god! Go for it! Yes, please, absolutely. I'm turning around. I need this in character. Turning around. I can't look at you. Basic Crusader's sword. Develop a taste for slicing through heretics or a lawman's gun. Need to shoot another bullet into an outlaw? My teeth are weapons of purpose and fulfill a very specific job. As for whether or not I enjoy it, <laughs> well, let's just say it's not easy telling a wild animal not to enjoy hunting his prey. Did, did you write that? What the fuck? <laughs> I was so excited you, for that question that I actually question? made Xavier answer this question for him. <laughs> Jenny's peeking in the it. Discord. <laughs> it was awesome. That was amazing. That was. Once more, my penchant for writing one line. I saw your reaction. It was, like a whole, it was more than one line. That was like a whole fucking monologue. At least one of us is prepared. A plus, Jenny. A plus. <laughs> I compiled the, the questions question and I prepared for. I, I've compiled the questions and I've forgotten like every single one. So like kudos to you. I am not prepared. Cheers, man. Um, Squidzy. I want you to also answer this one in Griffiths uh, as Griffiths <laughs> if you can. Uh, oh my god. <laughs> how has it been since the end of Hell's Crater for Griffiths working with Xavier as a deputy? Well, let me tell you something. Little Lawman's done a great job cleaning up the town, keeping things safe. Really proud of him. He's come a long way. <laughs> All right. Now, now, has the, have there been a lot few more um, people brought in more dead than alive? Kay's trying to GM an episode of, of Hell's Crater is what's happening right now. <laughs> He's trying to make these two interact in character. Yep. yep. I mean... I have to say, half alive is better than not alive, but <laughs> they come in alive, questionably so. <laughs> All right. Yeah, whether they stay that way is anybody's guess at this point. <laughs> yeah, who knows? I'm trying, okay? It's hard to cure something when you're just a machine. <laughs> All right. Um, at what point did Leah draw inspiration from Tremors, Gears of War 2, the Alaskan Bullworm, or the Yurks from Animorphs? I love that nobody said Dune, which is yeah. actually... <laughs> yeah, it's like Leah's Look, favorite thing. If I had it's written like, this question, I would have Dune? asked Dune. Cause I think in, in the show, we even say, this is very Dune. <laughs> yeah, um, Tremors is good. I have actually seen that. I've never played Gears of War 2. Uh, so I can't say that I did that. The Yerks from Animorphs, that is, that is an old pool and definitely something that shaped my childhood. So maybe subconsciously that was a thing because that's, that's pretty solid. Um, I, I mean, the helmets are little, little worms that go in someone's brain and control them. I know. I, that's what I'm saying. That is, is, is that what probably... Animorphs is about? I did not yeah. read Animorphs. <laughs> yeah. You're Animorphs like the only millennial dope. in the world who did not read Animorphs. I was more of a magic treehouse kid. Oh, yeah. No, I read a lot of Animorphs. Animorphs is great. You should read it right now. Yeah, I didn't okay. either. I was Everybody, a Goosebumps kid. You have homework. Everybody here but Kay and Leah. I, 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 I have not read Animorphs. 
everybody read Animorphs. I honestly hadn't. It's weird that this came up again because Kay and I were just talking about Animorphs the other day. And it didn't dawn on me that this is probably where I got this idea from until you asked the question. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. And I'm over here like, as soon as you told me what they were, like, oh, they're, that's in my brain. I said, oh, that's what they are. Shut that's up. so funny. How about that's shut up? So I funny. have a lot of uh, special <laughs> ideas that are all my own and definitely didn't come from that. <laughs> so sure, yeah, subconsciously, that's probably where it came from. You hear that question asking? Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck Ouch, up. vicious. What are Wait, you Kay, was that your question? Um, I definitely added the Yorkshire Animorphs on there, yes. The rest of the question <laughs> came from someone else. Perfect. That's, Perfect. That's, I, I know who the someone else is that asked the other questions, and I think I sent Kay a rephrased version of it, but he just kept <laughs> the original anyway. <laughs> well, no, see, um, there are two different questions along this line, because the follow-up on this one is, what were Leah's inspirations for the setting and enemies? Oh. Dune. They're both in Discord. The Sandworm <laughs> is Dune. Yeah, the Sandworm is Dune, 100%. Um... The rest of it and the cult and stuff like it was definitely honestly, I didn't know that it was animorphs, but you're right, it was, it was probably <laughs> animorphs. <laughs> it wasn't one of those things that I went looking for inspiration, it was just something that, like, I was like, oh, cool, like, there's going to be some sort of like alien menace that comes on this comet. What is something neat? Oh, like little weird, creepy worms that cl climb into your head. There's like helmets that's a cool name because hell's crater and then it just kind of went from there i didn't consider the animorphs until now so that's funny you're very welcome. funny <laughs> um having switched from grant to leah what did you like most about their game mastering styles in this miniseries that's unlike their usual one shot and long form content Ooh, yeah compliment us you fucks <laughs> yeah make us feel good about ourselves <laughs> so I run a lot of games, Grant. Just putting that out there. Um, either for check Game Master Monday or just for having fun. Yeah, check out Game Master Monday on everywhere you find podcasts. Um, and short-form content is a, a way different mood with him because it's a lot of fucking around and finding out. Like, no is never <laughs> an answer. Um, unless, of course, it's something so incredibly stupid off the rails that it's going to derail everything. And even then, he'll probably find some way to work it in somehow. Um, but but Grant's short form, show, short form shows are, are always like, okay, yes and for a lot of the content. This was a fun experiment for him because there was still some of that yes and, absolutely, but there was also more of that rigid structure of like, okay, this is what I'm working with. This is what you can do, which is a whole awful lot. And what you can't do is only limited to by how fucked you are if you do it. <laughs> you know? So I, I think that was a lot of fun watching Grant like actually have a larger sandbox for us to work around with. Um, but it was also incredibly stressful because that sandbox was on a timer and was going to fucking explode. Yeah, I <laughs> By got to use no but more than I get to use yes and in the, the first part. <laughs> mm -hmm. By comparison, <laughs> Leah's world, just from listening with what I know of Slay the Stars, I'm still catching up. Please don't hate me. Um, kill her! Kill her! <laughs> kill me! Um, it was a way different experience than what I think think you're used to because it was 
kind of the exact opposite of what I'm describing for Grant. You gave us a sandbox. You gave us a lot of yes and scenarios. Um, and you really just gave us the playing field to say, pretty much go and do whatever we want. And here was just like, here's the conflict. Make your choices. <laughs> and we did. And it was it was fun. It was engaging. Uh, it was a little bit slower than part one, but I think it needed to be. In, in that kind of way too you know yeah i really agree <laughs> with everything jenny said and i really liked being able to see this more serious side of grant i know we there were a lot of jokes behind the scenes of oh my god it's so hard not to make a joke here it's so hard not to make a joke here and it was really awesome to see this more serious side of of grant running a game like jenny said game master monday's a lot of fuck around and find out um <laughs> This was this was more serious. It was more hard hitting. It was it was fast paced. It was still a lot of fuck around and find out, but in a more serious tone. In and a the scary way. <laughs> it was super scary in so many ways. Um and then Leia, God, Leia's dice just really kind of fucked her every single turn. But <laughs> <laughs> ours too. <laughs> but it was it was slower, but it was it, it like Jenny was saying, it, it was supposed to be first. The first half was this hard, fast-paced, hitting, very serious setup, and the second one, Leia really came in and created this beautiful big sandbox, this beautiful world, and yeah, pretty much went, okay, guys, what do you want to do? Y'all make y'all's choices, and I'll just you know narrate as we go. It was great. I think the key difference in our styles is how we world build. Um. And anytime I do anything with Leah, every world she runs feels fully realized. Like if you walk into any building, she's got something ready for you in there. And I, I think she told us straight up, like you had like X amount of options and you somehow found a way to choose the hardest one every time. <laughs> so every so time. Leah at any given point is ready, willing, and excited to kill you with all the different traps she is <laughs> in her world and, and 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 i'm a little bit more loosey-goosey uh, i i'm i'm big like here is the thing ask me questions about it and i'll decide if it's there or not <laughs> yeah i mean i think that um in bella's comet there was a feeling of this like fast-paced sci-fi society and the game was on a timer right and so it felt like we were rushing 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 and that was huge and awesome and like i think that in a lot of ttrpgs it's hard to produce that feeling of like an actual timer right like for instance if you're playing like your standard game of dungeons and dragons you might know that there's this world ending threat on the horizon but eh, we're still gonna stop and you know do a couple things here and there and oh there's a side quest over here it feels very much like you know rpg video games where there's not really a lot of like threat of the clock um which is one of the main things that i did want to shift going into the second half because the idea was basically going to the second half, like the world's basically done, right? The world's moved on. Oh, the dark tower. That was the other. I knew there was ah, another thing. There it is. The dark there. tower. There we go. So yes, the world has already moved on, right? Like these horrible things have happened and you can do what you want to try to fix it. Right. Um, and so I did want it to have that feeling and I'm glad that I came across. Of Bella's Comet and Hell's Crater, who was your favorite NPC and why? And we're going to start with Squidzy this time. Oh my god. 
I have to remember all the way back to Bella's comment to think of a thing we <laughs> Impossible task, truly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I gotta think Honest... about two months ago. <laughs> it. I know, gosh. So, my favorite NPC, honestly, was the guy who, with the needles, with the needle fingers. Hey, yeah. Who did the, um, <laughs> who did the fake ID for Hermes. He was so cool. He was, like, just a random let's just make a guy real fast kind of a thing. But he was Me so googling cool. astronomy words on the fly. He was <laughs> honestly my favorite NPC. The I, the image I had of him was cool. Um, and I know like Venus is also in the top, but really this one-off obscure little NPC had to be one of my favorites. It's always the one you don't plan for. <laughs> I really like the old deputy. The one that Xavier first runs into Damn it. like in the... <laughs> The, That's what I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah. I like, love that guy. <laughs> like, I feel like you planned for there to be a deputy, yes, but I don't think you planned for him to get in quite such a stressful situation in the first <laughs> ten minutes of existence. Three times. No. He met every yeah. single player character, and they all came with a very different energy, and he wasn't ready for any of them. <laughs> he was not. He was not. He was very much me playing, like, what would I do in this situation? <laughs> So funny. I love the deputy so much. The original deputy. He didn't even get a name, did he? No, no, I don't think I named him. I don't think anyone asked him what his name was. Nobody asked him what his name was. NPCs who are just trying to do their job yeah. are always the funniest. It's Greg's favorite bit. It's so funny. Like, cause cause Xavier comes in, like, if you don't move, I'm gonna kill you. And his main concern is they're gonna fire me, man. <laughs> fire me, man. So funny. Oh, <laughs> oh, um, fine. I'll uh, change my answer since Jenny stole mine. I didn't um, mean to. It well, just kind of happened. No, it, it, no I, it, I mean same. And I, I can't pick one of my NPCs because that's also cheating. And I don't genuinely feel like I made the, the superior batch of NPCs or anything. And, but um, I, I really like how Leah played Venus um it, very jarring as the creator of venus to have a conversation with her in the second episode um but as far as ones that like leah actually created that are like really grounded and like gave the weight of what we were trying to accomplish i really like the character who was married to the guy who was full of brain worms that we had to convince to let us get her husband like yes. sheesh man <laughs> I'm sorry for that. Not really, but I'm not legitimately one of my favorite parts of the whole series. Cause like it, it, it gets the weight across of what these people are actively dealing with. It gives the weight of like what we are that we, the characters have to do to solve the problem, which isn't friendly or cool or anything. Um, it, it really lets each character shine at their motives and their intent. Like it's a really well-designed character. to just like drop on everyone to be like, all right, Let's see what your morals are <laughs> real quick yeah. and, and make the world living and breathing and scary for you. Yep. Yep. Um, I, um, I have two that I'm going between. Okay. 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 I'll just say both of them. It's fine. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed Sedna Saris. Um, I, I liked that she gave not only, um, Hermes a chance to kind of show show where Hermes motivations 
lie, right? Like Hermes was able to be like, hey, you know, like maybe we shouldn't have this conversation in this jail, but I am interested in what you're throwing down, right? And then the whole confrontation that came later when Astrid revealed herself and that all went to shit and Hermes was basically about to be gang initiated to kill the cop in the back room. Um, it was about, she was, there was no about it's to true, be. It's true, it's true, true. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, even in that moment, Hermes wasn't mad at, at Sedna, right? Like she understood Sedna's motivation and was more mad at Astrid making making that stupid phone call to um what's her face the i'm failing on this eris eris palomar who was my second favorite uh npc um from a very uh selfish standpoint because so much of astrid's growth was driven by her interactions um with eris and i thought that i thought that eris was a fantastic bad guy probably one of my favorite bad guys that i've ever seen grant do i think that eris was just like top down fantastic character so easy agree thank you yeah thank you yeah um so kind of similar to the one i asked earlier squidzy since griffiths had become a sheriff have things changed for the better for example were there still public executions etc All right, Squidzy, this is your chance to talk about your ideal government. (laughs) (laughs) Lay it on us, Squidzy. I mean, I I feel like there would still be, like, public executions and hangings and stuff like that, you know, given the the area they were in. There was no changing that amount of people that quickly. Um, Things have changed for the better. I mean, it depends on who you ask. (laughs) (laughs) We're asking you, Griffiths. How do you feel? <laughs> Griffiths thinks it's great. <laughs> thinks it's no great, notes. But, but for the other people, it depends on who you ask. You know, things might have gotten a little more lax. Um, depending on the crime, you know, we don't we don't chop fingers off for stealing bread. <laughs> Damn, how's combos? Real Old Testament <laughs> shit. <laughs> well, listen, I think I think that. It, what hell's crater sort of the whole idea was that yeah it became like way more barbaric but when you're dealing with so much shit from the outside it almost has to be right like you there's not as much wiggle room because you just don't have time to deal with nonsense Mm -hmm. people have to fall in line because we have to be this united group because there are worms trying to eat our brains okay so if i can't trust you as my neighbor then you got to get out whether it be whether it be you get out permanently because i've killed you or you're banished and you go away get out of this mortal coil (laughs) go into the dark (laughs) (laughs) xavier put the wild in the wild west theme and yet he has a soft spot for his sister what was your inspiration for this so this is I have this bad habit with getting Master Monday wherein I have an older, much older idea from eons ago. And I and I say to myself, what if I remixed this idea, made it cooler, made it better, made it more self-actualized, and then made a character for this show? So Xavier still is an original creation for Hell's Comet and Game Master Monday as a whole. But he did take a lot of inspiration from a much older uh, character that I had back in my brain back in high school where there was just this 
extraordinarily antisocial, just angry human being who hated the entire world, but was given the charge, you have to raise your sister right. And I think that kind of ended up becoming Xavier as just a whole. Is like he's not a friendly human being. He's not even a human being. Um, <laughs> he's very violent, very aggressive, doesn't trust people very easily at all. But once you, he lets people in, once he lets people know, hey, it is safe to be around me, he's going to be like your best friend, your little confidant, like a puppy dog almost. Um, but like in a pit bull sense, like, you know, he's rough on the outside and will probably bite you if you fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> And then Felicity, I just wanted to make her just the, the idiotiest, idiotiest, most tiny motherfucker that you want to protect. <laughs> you know, like, give give the big, strong man something to actually, like, have concern about. And then me and Leah, before the game even fucking started, I was like, I want to take this perk called The Secret, and I have a really off-the-wall idea for it. <laughs> yes. Can I? Hold on, hold on. I want, I want to read this. <laughs> I was just going to ask. I'm dying to know okay. what you guys talked about because um, that twist in episode six is big. <laughs> so Jenny sent me – I'm not going to read the whole thing, but basically uh, Xavier's younger sister, Felicity, would have at some point either touched the Astronomicon or knows about it and changed her forever. She essentially has visions of the end of the world. It makes her seem like a crazy person. Were she ever discovered by anyone, the West would do what it would do and brand her as a witch, which would likely get her killed. And then I just responded, fucking yes. And then uh, Jenny was like, full on touched it or just knows about it? I put touched it, dot, 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 has it? Has it? She has it. <laughs> and Jenny was like, has it? She has the it? book. And I was like, as it. <laughs> oh, I'm like, you are a as goddess and you are a saint. You are a genius. <laughs> but yeah, so that was that was one of my favorite things that just came out of the blue because I didn't know what I was going to do with the Astronomicon. I was like, eh, you know, like, what? Who cares? Maybe we won't even use the Astronomicon. And then Jenny sent me that. And I was like, nope, it's here. <laughs> Felicity yes. has it. And, <laughs> yes. And, and then shortly after, I messaged Leah being like, my guy is trying to find it. <laughs> and I was like, which was so funny because, like, the idea of the secret is like something that Xavier won't reveal to anybody. And then you were like, I was looking for it. I was like, Felicity has it. I was like, this is going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was. <laughs> and then it was. Did we ever? Uh, this is me asking you a question. I'm because I, I, I don't think we ever answered it in canon, but did we ever find out how Felicity got the book? Oh, I don't think we did. <laughs> Uh-uh. Do we know? Do we have an answer? Or do we just want to leave it up to interpretation? I'm cool either way. I'm just curious if you two talked about it. We didn't talk about it. And so there was that moment when who was it? Xavier touched it and saw all the people throughout time that had been like passing this book around. And it was oh, it was Icarus. So it was Io. Okay, I couldn't remember. Yeah, because it's tied to all the different versions of Javion. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, there was that split second at the end where Io saw felicity holding the book right that's right okay but i specifically did not say like i just was like and you see all these people like stealing it killing for it blah 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 blah. and then felicity has it i didn't put in how she got it because jenny and i specifically hadn't talked about that and i was (laughs) like i don't i don't know 
and I don't want to put lore out into this world that uh, doesn't make sense because I had some ideas, right? One would be like Xavier stole it from somebody that he killed and gave it to her, but that could put a lot of guilt on him because it, you know, really changed Felicity. Uh, he would have also had a magic power that was unexplained. He would have had yeah. a magic power he- that was unexplained. Um, so like there, there was that was my main idea that I wanted, but in the moment we hadn't talked about it, and so I didn't go for it. Fair. Knowing what I know now about the series at large, I just want to ask Grant something real quick. How long ago was Javian made? Or oh, Javian, uh, uh, Icarus. Excuse me. Four hundred fifty years. Four fifty. Same. Same. <laughs> same age as Ada. Okay. 50 years after the death of Javian Eclipse. So the backstory Leah and I came up with was, and we were thinking about exploring this more, but it never came up, which is fine. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I think the story is better for it. But uh, essentially, Icarus was built by a group called the Cult of the Eclipse, who rose up in direct defiance of whatever cult Ada's people were trying to do so they're like oh fuck we need a javian to beat an ada because that's how this works and we understand that so they built icarus and charged him with the task of go find the astronomicon (laughs) so wouldn't it be fun then wouldn't it be fun then if the actual reincarnation of him was someone completely and totally different crossed my mind (laughs) i thought about it i i even kind of plant the seeds in episode 12 and i'm like i think felicity might be the four who collects the three and it's us (laughs) so it's it's a theory that's out there it's entirely possible that that javian eclipse accidentally got reincarnated into a little girl oopsie doodles and we never knew (laughs) i mean honestly i think hilarious and adorable and this is why whenever you ask the question about uh you know what is different about these these shows compared to our other shows this is why i need more than six episodes <laughs> because there are I so many i want to explore oh. it more i want to do so many other things with this but we had six. we floated that meme in the the gmm discord that's it that's <laughs> like the old man from squid game where he looks all excited and it's like grant when he gets six whole episodes to run a series and that's like him huddling in the corner terrified like leo when she only gets six episodes to run a whole series <laughs> yeah yeah Ugh, i want more there's so many other things i want <sighs> okay continue spin-off series <laughs> spin-off series. spin-off long form series it's just the back half of Bella's comet forever <laughs> just slice of life and he's on and on and on and on <laughs> no, you have to just have a new uh game master every six episode episode that's fine that's true my turn fuck i was gonna say it's jenny's turn let's go yep. and then it's right, squidsy's right. turn and we're pirates <laughs> hell yeah oh that's what you guys need all right um okay ran it back in ran it back in now, Grant, Icarus was such a delight, and you said you were conveying something that you didn't realize until playing him more. What were you expressing with Icarus as a character? So, okay, now you have the deep Icarus and Grant lore here. So, I initially created Io with the intent of him fulfilling the mission, kind of being like, you know, a religious type. And, and 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 chasing that as as far as I could possibly chase that. I wanted him to have a faith crisis. I wanted him to really try and reconcile with what quote unquote worshiping this man he's never heard or seen is like. And 
the more the world unfolded, the more I was like, okay, it doesn't make any sense for Icarus to have no fucking clue about this guy because he he has a mission and he's a machine. He can be loaded with information and all this stuff. So like, I was just kind of playing him straight for like, the first three episodes. And towards the end of like episode three, beginning of four, when everyone starts having their heart to hearts as characters, it suddenly clicked in my brain. Where I was like, oh, I am playing Icarus as if he was the religious figure I always wanted in my youth. <laughs> Someone mm-hmm. whose main goal is only to do good and be good with no ulterior motive. And that was when the idea of Icarus's ulterior motive, i.e. get book, started shedding. And it, it, honestly, the, the kicker for it was when Leah said, this man is turning more human. He's becoming the deity that's in your religion. And my IO brain, and also, quite frankly, my Grant brain, was like, oh, fuck, I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> that is a scary thing. <laughs> So that's when I was like, I have to figure out who Io is outside of Divine Eclipse, and so does he. And that's when you start hearing me say the mantra, do the most good for the most people. And then as I started saying that, I'm like, fuck, that's all I wanted out of religion in the first place. <laughs> so there you go. That, that's what happened. <laughs> Io became the, the, the bishop I wish I always had. <laughs> I, that, that's all I wanted. Mm-hmm. I mean, you did a great job with it, too. It's just... Thanks. I agree. <sighs> I want to interject here that uh, when Grant was coming up with a character for the second half, um, I said to him, like, I think that you should you should play some form of Javayan, right? And he actually initially kind of, like, pushed back against the idea a little bit and was like, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to bring this character into the second half. And... Uh, I am so glad that you chose to do it because what a fucking character, honestly. Yeah. Um, no, it was it was so the right move. Leah's smarter than I am. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, 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 I pushed back on it initially because, like, I don't know, in the back of my head, it was like, that feels like that's a narcissistic move. Like, I don't actually want to play in your world, Leah. I want to keep being in mine and make my own original OC from the first part. Thank you. Javayan the Hedgehog, if you will. So, like... <laughs> So, if I, but I did. I I will say from the get go, Leah and I both knew. I read the Savage Worlds book, and it was like, oh, there's a preacher class. Done. I love playing clerics. Oh, I can be an android preacher. That's so cool. I'm doing that. And then it was just trying to figure out why the fuck is there an android preacher in this town? And the thing that made the most sense was a Javian Eclipse cult mm-hmm. built him. Sorry, I'm, I'm excited. It's good. It was a good idea. Leah it was, was a good right. Idea. No, you did a good job. This is all the praise for you. Good job, Grant. <laughs> Thanks. Well, and I think it led to this really cool storyline of of Io discovering he's not Javian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I really liked the moments where it was, "You're not Javian. You're Io. What is mm-hmm. Io going to do?" exactly this is this is a deep cut thing that maybe only jenny will relate to but there is a the the main goal of the church she and i grew up in mormonism more than anything else the, the the goal of that church is to become like god 
like you are living life on earth as God practiced. And then one day you will die and you will continue to live. And eventually you will be the God of a different planet. So <laughs> when Javayan is told he is turning into Javayan Eclipse, the alarm in my brain started going off like danger, danger, Mormon doctrine, we're in danger. <laughs> And and that's why it was initially scary for me as a person. And then just like thinking, okay, okay, does Io want that? And Io in my brain immediately is like, no, I do not want this. <laughs> this is not who I am. Leah, you picked up off Grant. Did you find it easy or difficult compared to starting from scratch? And what was your favorite situation to put the players into? Ha! Ha! <laughs> um, it's a good question. I thought okay so i i don't want to say that i am a lazy game master but <laughs> one i don't think the, anybody would accuse you of it <laughs> one of one of the things that always bothered me when i would try to write like uh, not write run pre-written modules for any game is that there's so much to read to figure out the world that honestly it's easier for me to build my own world from scratch because if i build something and i'm like this is a town that i built i now remember what that town is i don't have to look it up right versus in a module you have this whole world with npcs and stores and nonsense and quests and i don't know any of this unless i sit down and read the book right <laughs> um and so there was a danger that this could have been something like that, except for Grant and I spoke about a lot of the stuff in the background. So even though I didn't know what he was planning, I had an idea of what his world was going to be. And we set Hell's Crater so far in the future that I could take bits and pieces of the things that he gave me, plug them back into the world, and then build my own world around it. So I was still doing all that. And so honestly, I loved this because one of my favorite things is to have callbacks from past things because people like that it makes their brain happy and i got to do that so many times in hell's crater to be like hey look here's this thing that if you're paying attention you might have noticed and i know that people did um so no i didn't find it hard i fucking loved it what was the second half of the question i got too excited <laughs> favorite situation you put favorite us in favorite situation can, can i just say with callbacks though yeah Last episode, the the moment I geeked and lost my entire fucking mind was when you told me that Xavier and Felicity live in a broken down police station. I, I fell out of my goddamn skeleton. That was Jenny's idea. That was Jenny's idea, and I was like, "So good, done, all so me, fucking baby. good." Yep, that was so all Jenny. Fucking good. Um, genius, loved it. Um, but yeah, my okay, my favorite situation. I have two answers here. One, because I think it was really good for the players, and one, because I had a lot of fun. <laughs> the one that I had the most fun in was when they were going to hang Esther, um, and you all were trying to stop the angry mob from hanging her because you wanted to question her first. And I just got to be, like, really unhinged and crazy for a little bit on her half, and then, you know, get to play an angry mob that you guys are trying to quiet. That was a lot of fun. Um, but my favorite part for the characters was the the lady and the man with the worms in his head um because yeah. again an, a really good emotional moment that was just a lot of fun to to play out and to see how your your characters uh did it so they're good ones they're good ones mm -hmm. Leah's a good gm folks 
right, Jenny, what is what is secretly Xavier's favorite nickname? He has to have at least one he likes in secret. Come on. Oh god damn it. What are all the Xavier nicknames? We had Little Lawman. <laughs> mm-hmm. Xavier. Xavier was brought up at one point. Yeah. <laughs> well, in his heart's heart, it's probably gonna be Zave because that's what his sister calls him. But nobody else. <laughs> but nobody else. Like if, if you call him anything other than his first name, deputy or sir, <laughs> and he does not trust you, you are a dead man, probably. It took a minute for him to warm up to deputy in the first place. <laughs> Yeah, he fucking hated the idea, but I guess nowadays he wouldn't, you know, it's his job. That's his title. He's like, okay, it sucks, sure, but this is <laughs> what I do. One day, Griffiths will be dead, and I'll be sheriff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one day, that motherfucking bird will be six feet under, and then this hotel will be mine. <laughs> I like to imagine Griffiths and Xavier as besties now. They're huge friends. Like, they, they may have that dumb little, like, tsundere, like, I don't like you, you don't like me sort of thing, but they fucking get along like gangbusters. Let's be real here. Yeah. Unless somebody's, like, actually watching them. No, yeah. If someone's actually watching them, they're, like, like stone-faced, serious, like, episode one them. Yes. <laughs> Very much so they're getting in a fight in public, and they, like, cool down and, like, walks into Griffith's office, like, are you still coming for dinner? <laughs> yes, correct. It's like, yeah, me and Felicity were doing this whole uh, shindig down at the, uh, you come in or... <laughs> <laughs> Griffiths had a lot of history with the previous sheriff. Did she ever truly want to be like him at one point, or was that simply brought upon her? That was 100% brought upon her. 100% brought <laughs> upon her. Never once wanted to be a sheriff, never once wanted to settle down, never once even wanted to stay in the same town. Um, in Griffiths's head, okay, this is the last job I'm doing for the sheriff, and then I'm getting out of town for a couple of, you know, a couple of months, and then I'll come back and see if there's any more jobs. It's the last one. I gotta escort this preach out of town. Perfect. That's a perfect job. Um, it gets me out of town, gets the preach out of town, gets, you know, me paid. Eh, it's cool. So that was 100% brought upon her. You even have that really great, uh, moment to yourself i forget if it's episode three or four i think it's four i think it's after the stampede where you're just like cussing out the sky and spitting oh, on yes, the ground yes, yes, yes. you finally got me a job <laughs> so good yeah. uh when icarus started to become more human was that exciting for him or did it feel like he flew too close to the sun the second thing <laughs> for sure <laughs> Uh, man, I, it, it, it was really funny because I did that whole speech about like him kind of wanting to be human in the third episode, talking about wanting to like harness the power of the sun and hold it and stuff. And then it started happening and it was like, oh, it turns out I didn't want this at all, actually. <laughs> now mm-hmm. that it's actually happening to me and I have to eat an egg, I am having second thoughts. <laughs> the eating scene. <laughs> <laughs> hey shout out to prince again who does all the art for the show but also does fan art for the show so prince drew yeah. this this really great sketch of io eating an egg <laughs> like inserting a floppy disk into his mouth all yeah what did i say like he was like putting a cd in there or some <laughs> shit and like swallowed it like, like a bird it's so, so weird <laughs> such a great mental image though i'm full of them give me a moment to just describe shit like other shit and i'll do it (laughs) so ada aquarids gets a chance to repair her broken friendship and rebuild society in direct contrast to 
this almost indifferent tyrant she used to be. Do you all truly believe she deserved to get what she wanted in the end, considering the world of Bella's comma she neglected the police brutality and poverty? <laughs> what a loaded question. <laughs> this is okay. a loaded question. So let me let me just preface this by saying that one of the things that we were exploring in the second half here is that, like Grant's been talking about, Io, not actually Javayan, a reincarnation, but his own person, right? This was Ada's chance at a do-over. She's not the same person she was. She's a reincarnation of that person who might have more memories because of the way she was reincarnated because of this cult. And so this moment was a chance for me to say to the players, you have a lot of meta knowledge of what Ada was. Are you going to forgive her and give her a chance? Or are you going to kill her? Run with it. See what happens. And, and there was that fun moment of you like, yes, me, Jenny, as a human being knows what this bitch is up to. But Xavier doesn't know squat. <laughs> All he knows I... is there are two cults. Both of which suck. <laughs> yep. I think I was the only character who had pre-installed Ada knowledge. <laughs> it's true. Um, now, to be fair, I have no clue what Leah was going to actually do with Ada. I just rolled, I think, the world record for best role in all of Savage World's history <laughs> and, and empathy to the fuck out of her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um it was it was crazy right like that role was crazy because the thing is it's like ada didn't want to fight the three of you she fought and died last time so uh she's probably <laughs> not really excited about that and so from her perspective you making that giant role and sort of saying to her like hey you know like this is how i think it could go and her thinking like that doesn't sound bad and also, I don't have to fight you and potentially die again. Hell yeah, right? Like, like let's go. Also, why am I here? Also, why am I here? <laughs> what is happening? You know that meme where it's like, this is what the presidents would say if they were alive today, and that's just the guy screaming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. What is this? Why? No! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I... <laughs> Io saw her, a part of the, his divine brain kicked in, and I think deep down, even in part one of Bella's comment, Javian Eclipse was always kind of hoping he could get through to Ada. So this was his chance to do that. Also, 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 to address the other part of your question was that, you know, like about the police brutality and the poverty and things like that in Comet's Oh, Edge. yeah, Ada wasn't in charge. Yeah, that was mainly <laughs> Eris Palomar, right? Sure, yeah. Ada could have done something about it, and she probably knew it existed, but she wasn't the one doing it, right? She had mm -hmm. bigger things on her mind at the time. So while, yes, uh, she like I said, probably could have stopped it. Um, I wouldn't attribute that necessarily to her. Ada was a a symptom of the, the, the class struggles of Bella's Comet, not the cause of it. Ada was another rich asshole who lived in the center of the crater who does not think about Comet's Edge. <laughs> <laughs> had the ability, had the power, didn't have the position per se, but yeah. 
do do I personally think she deserves to be redeemed? I don't know, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but Javian thought so, so that's what I did. But what a fun question to ask all the players. Like, does this character, does anybody deserve to be redeemed? Especially yeah, Spritzy, what do you woman. think? Should we have killed her ass? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see, and I'm over here going, yeah, see, I love a good redemption arc. I don't know. I'm a big fan of a villain redemption arc. Zuko's redemption arc is just prime. Vegeta's redemption arc is just fantastic. I'm a huge fan of a villain redemption arc. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm kind of on the side of, you know, being able to redeem herself. Like Grant said, she was a, she was a, um, product not the cause of she was a product of the problems of comets you know the comet's edge and the center of the city and everything like that um rather than the 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 cause of it and so why not give her a chance to redeem herself redemption arcs are more fun in fiction than they are in real life just for the record well, if true. we ever have the, the chance to forgive elon musk i'm not taking it bullet to the yes. head he, he, no <laughs> yeah no just just for the record, in real life, this does not happen. Like, like Jeff Bezos isn't going to go through his Vegeta redemption story and raise an amazing child. Like, no, we're going to kill him. We're going to eat him alive. <laughs> but, but in our fictional stories where we can do whatever we want and hope for the best possible world, yeah, sure, redeem them. They can use their resources to help save the world. Real life, if they haven't done it already, kill them. <laughs> oh, wait, now I'm curious. Uh, Xavier actually didn't, you know, kill ada in that moment uh how much you know did that take from him like how much uh fortitude my kid sister was in the room what the fuck do you want me to do <laughs> that's fair i forgot felicity was in the I room think, that's true i think the thing that interested me the most was it was like hey Griffith, you go with felicity up to ada and i'm like you want me to what <laughs> oh i can answer that io sees you as an authority figure <laughs> okay <laughs> Because I'm sitting here going, do you want me to what? You're gonna, I'm going to risk my life twice. One from Xavier and one from that ghost bitch over there. I don't know what's going on. In Io's brain, of the two of you, the person who would be less emotional and prone to doing the wrong thing was Griffiths. And also, Griffiths is the sheriff and must uphold the law. So... <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> yeah, so if I was sent to Xavier, she, Xavier up there, stupid. yeah, like Xavier, please take your sister to help calm down the person who wants her dead. <laughs> like, no, like he's in a biter. <laughs> I, I know that that was the best, like, I understand logically that was the best option, but Griffiths was going, You want me to what? Yes. <laughs> Which was kind of Griffith's reaction to the entire series. <laughs> I, like, I got a what? Why? <laughs> Why you make me do things, man? Why did I get roped into this? She she had no idea about anything involving the book, whereas you know Io and Xavier did. She's like, what is what? What do y'all? There's like worms that we have to kill. What is this other shit? So... <laughs> Talking about redemption arcs make me think like, well, we've already had one redemption arc. Yes, but what about second redemption arc? <laughs> Like Xavier, Xavier in my brain kind of was because I was oh, sort yeah. of playing him oh, as yeah. as sort of like an antagonist to the story. Like he wasn't directly against anything that was involved, but he was <laughs> actively trying to hinder progress because he doesn't want people to find his kid sister and do horrible, unspeakable things to her. That's <laughs> why he said, "Yeah, let's leave town, go to the pit for sure." Yeah, yeah, let's, yeah. let's, let's find this hostages. random pit, go over there, kill a few bad guys. I can go home. I can get paid. Boom. Easy day. 50 bucks. In pocket. Awesome. <laughs> <Yep>. 50 bucks? 
It's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, how do you think the three Bells comic characters would react to their three Hell's Crater characters? Ah, that's fun. That's fun. The fun one. Leah and I don't have an equivalent character, though. <laughs> so that's how would Io and um, Astrid react to each other. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> that's fun. I actually... So I think that um, people were not necessarily playing the uh same incarnation in the back half that they were playing in the front half yeah um and so that is a little up for debate who was playing whom and what was happening in those moments um to me it was very much like a moat of possibility right out there in the world because i didn't want to stifle anybody's creativity and say okay you're playing your same character but like change them a bunch right um and I actually think that there were more parallels between Hermes and Xavier and Astrid and Griffiths. Um, that's my personal <laughs> feelings and takeaway from all of that. I would personally think that Io and Zara have a lot of uh, parallels too. I agree with that as well. Okay. Although I am laughing at the idea of Zara meeting a giant killer lizard man. <laughs> Yes. It would go something like this, like, what the fuck are you? What the fuck are you? Get out of my face. That's true. That is true. Because, um, yeah, I think that Jenny played the total antithesis of Zara whenever she played Xavier. Um, but I can yeah. totally see how Zara and Io have a lot in common. Um, oh, they talk mm -hmm. about space for hours. Yeah. And Io would have no idea what's going on. No, Io knows a lot about space. I know a lot about space. Io was given an, an astrophysicist brain. <laughs> oh, I, oh, that's actually really scary. So Zara would be talking to a reincarnated version of her mentor who she watched die. <laughs> oh, that would be fucked up, actually. Now that I think about it, <laughs> Zara would not take it well at first, but then kind of like That's why I think Io and Zara have parallels because a lot of Zara was informed by what Javian taught her, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And I mean, look at Astrid, this cop who kind of realized what it actually means to try to uphold the law versus like living under Eris's palm. And then like Griffiths, who didn't want to be a cop and then slowly came into that job, realizing like, OK, this is where I can do the most good for the most people. It's interesting. That is also funny to think about Hermes meeting a person who didn't want to be a cop that just became a cop <laughs> yes. after just dealing with someone who didn't want to be a cop, so they stopped being a cop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I just, I think it's fun. What did, uh, oh, what's his face? George Lucas say about the Star Wars, the different trilogies? They were supposed to be like, like a poetry. song or whatever. Poetry. poetry. It rhymes. It rhymes. <laughs> That's that's sort of what we were going for with this. I was going for with this, I should say. Jenny and I quote that to each other all the time, but <laughs> like, like in, in a shitty way. Yeah, like in, in to like make fun of it. Yes. <laughs> George did is not it a cool. Cool. We just say George Lucas is a hat. <laughs> I'm not sure who is the better option to answer this next one. So I kind of want to get an opinion from each of you. Oh, who is Jupiter? Mmm. Uh, Leah, you go first. No, that's not fair. <laughs> you you made up. You you came up with the name. 
<laughs> well, I think it's more fun if she goes last than in that case, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, yeah, she goes okay, last. Okay, okay, uh-huh. no, I, uh-huh. I can, you know what, we can, we can do it this way. I'll set the stage for why, for why Leah dropped that name. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Every character that I have named in this show is tied to some astronomical event or something having to do with space or physics. Every single one. So, like, um, oh my gosh, I've forgotten every NPC. <laughs> <laughs> Ada, Ada, Aquarids. Ada Aquarids is a literal meteor shower. I didn't change anything about that name. Ada Aquarids is a meteor shower that comes. She's a character who's trying to bring a comet. So like every name that you hear me drop informs who that person is. Jovian Eclipse is another name that I didn't change at all. It's a real astronomical event that happens on Jupiter. Anytime you hear the word Jovian, which is how it's actually pronounced, I just changed the pronunciation to make him sound more sci-fi and cool. But a, a, a Jovian eclipse is when the moons of Jupiter block the sun and leave a huge fucking black hole on the planet. It's dope as shit. It usually happens with like three moons at the same time. So when it came time for me to name a character who was built by a cult of people – Worshiping a man named Jovi in Eclipse, I wanted his name to once again be tied to Jupiter. So Io, Io, is a moon of Jupiter. And then I was like, Io is a great name for an android because it sounds like an abbreviation. And then I was, you know, I'm combing through my brain trying to figure out what that would mean for that character. And I was talking to Leah about it, and we eventually landed on the name Icarus Olbers. Uh, Icarus is another moon somewhere out there in the solar system. There's a project Icarus that NASA was doing at one point. And then Olbers comes from another kind of like astro theorist that just talks about how we can never really truly understand the universe, how it is constantly changing. And his whole theory was like trying to pin down like mathematics to understand the universe itself is kind of a fool's errand because it's always going to change. It's never going to like when you're observing Jupiter, you're observing a previous version of it from where we're here. Like when you look at stars in space, you're not seeing really a star. You're seeing something that died millions of years ago, probably. So that was uh, this Dr. Olbers' guy's whole thing was that like, we're never going to understand the universe as is. So when it came time for Leah to come up with other various versions of Javian Eclipse, one of the answers that you can come up with is a guy literally named Jupiter. If there's a story behind that person, I do not know. That's all Leah. But that's Leah calling back my naming conventions from Bella's Comet 1. Yeah, 100%. This was this was game recognizing game, right? And just saying, like, <laughs> this is what we've been driving at this whole time. These are past incarnations. Here's all the fun things to throw out. I mean, even, like, thinking from mythology, right? You got, like, yeah, you know jupiter and zeus and these things like that and you can just keep drawing parallels and parallels and parallels and that's one of the things that i sort of love about this idea of reincarnation is we can just like keep following this um down the rabbit hole so that's it that's the whole thing (laughs) yeah who is that guy we don't know it's it's a name leah came up with i assume in the moment (laughs) 
uh no so i had uh i had written down um some blurbs for that particular monologue because i didn't want to forget um whenever i got there because that is also something that happens you have these grand ideas and the moment happens and you're like oh shit i should have written that down so i did have that uh-huh. written down <laughs> I guess the short answer is Jupiter is another reincarnation of this guy. Um, unclear when he happened, but he happened. Yeah. <laughs> yep. involved in the Astronomicon in some description. Yeah. Most likely. Could have been one of the Earth's authors. Now it's Leah could have just like Googled Jupiter moons and read all those names, and those could be all reincarnations of him, you know? Absolutely. And there's definitely, like, and that's all accurate, right? Because, oh, the Wheel of Time. <laughs> If you want to know where oh. all these inspirations, right? Now now as they're coming out, it's coming, right? The idea of this, like, cosmic game, right? Wait, of, wait, like... wait, wait, wait. I know. That's, that's, my, that's my next question. Oh, oh okay, good. What did good. the cycle of the book represent? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Great. Here we go, here we go. Um, so... Kay loves the Wheel of Time, so he's he's going to enjoy this. Nerd. Um, so the idea that you have <laughs> Javayan and you have Ada, who are more instead of cons- instead of considering them as the people they are consider them as cosmic forces right and they're sort of going back and forth that's why you have these reincarnations and each time this happens every 500 years there is um a meeting and a fight that is happening here and one side is coming out victorious and the way that that happens is one or the other usually javian is killed right um that is the whole thing and so when you all as the players forgave ada gave her the astronomicon you broke that cycle right um and that was that was the inspiration from the wheel of time the idea of this like cosmic wheel that is spinning and every 500 years you get a chance to save the world or end it right every time boom boom um and uh you broke the wheel good job guys <laughs> now as the residential uh wheel of time nerd i want to comment <laughs> that in the wheel of time breaking the wheel is considered Cut a it. bad thing i know and that was the whole so... point i know like breaking the wheel is a bad thing in the wheel of time but like uh and it could be a bad thing here we don't know what happens. All we know is you all ended the cycle. The Astronomicon is gone. Either you are now in this phase of like constant growth and you're go- things are going to get better and stay better until the universe dies a cold or hot death, depending on, you know, your way of thinking. Or you've done something horrible and there's now no cycle and uh, things are going to stagnate and die out. We don't know because we only have six episodes. <laughs> heroes so very rarely get to decide how their stories get told right yes <laughs> all right okay um just a couple more questions here leah is prince and icarus a canon ship yes yes no you know what prince are you cheating on char already like i there, just maybe it's, oh a, my maybe God. it's a polycule oh that's true that could be <laughs> Sure, well, then you gotta invite Rapture and fucking Titmouse. Then <laughs> I don't think Prince has lusted for those. I have lusted that for true Rapture. and that bird. 
Um, yeah, Leah did. Not that's the right. Tit no, mouse. you're right. Never mind. Not the tit mouse. My brain's done. Not the tit mouse. <laughs> tit mouse is my my my, <laughs> my crowning achievement and stupid. <laughs> uh, if you want to know what we're talking about, head on over to Game Master Monday and listen to the Shroomanji episode. It's so good. Where Leah's Leah's podcast gang all turns into shrews and meets. Quite frankly, some of the stupidest NPCs I've ever made in my entire life. If you want to know who Char is, please listen to all of Slay the Stars. Yeah, if you want to know who Char is, all of it. if you want to know who Prince is, uh, he's the cat deity on every social media, and he makes good pictures. He makes such good pictures. <laughs> yes. uh, did good all pictures. of the Can't art confirm. for Happy the show. Uh, he he so draws good. He draws so good. <laughs> he draws so good. <laughs> But no, it's not canon. You're not allowed to cheat on Char already. I just made the Char ship canon like a month ago. Get out of here. <laughs> I like the poly idea, though. That's really fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Alright. So, my final question. Bella's Comet hit Earth. And while this whole story would take place around a single city located in the middle of a desert... That I'm guessing is in Nevada, because that's where you live, and that's where you're basing it off, because you're re- basing it off what you know. Oh, way to dox But that meant the rest, of the, Jeez. the rest of the also, world. Also, it's Nevada. <laughs> Nevada. <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't live here. You don't need to decide that. <laughs> so, but, so the rest of the world was still there and continuing on outside of Bella's Comet. Outside of this one city. Now, was it, like, actually set in modern, like, 2020s era? Or is it actually in, like, the future of that? After Bella's Comet hit a second time, did the entire world go back to that Wild West? Or was it just some weird, isolated event around Hell's Crater? Or was the rest of the world actually destroyed and just just Hell's Crater is the only surviving? I thought about this a lot. (laughs) (laughs) When I was writing OG Bella's Comet... I literally thought about what is the outside world doing apart from this place, right? I even wrote stuff that they could do if they ever decided to leave the city. So I'm not saying this is canon. I'm not saying this is what's actually happening. But I will say what I originally had planned that I eventually scrapped in favor of keeping them in bounds, if you will. But in the Ark Doom game... There are giant godlike monsters you can fight. And I always like the idea of hiding those motherfuckers in the outside desert. <laughs> now, what that means for the world as a whole, because because Bella's Comet, the, the story that we told, I always pitch it as it's 500 years in the current future. So 500 years from today, which means the events of Hell's Crater happened a thousand years in the future from today. Um, so do with that information what you will. Is the whole world a desert now? Like I pull a lot of influence from like the American West, obviously, because I live out here and all I know is a desert. I'm not saying that Bella's Comet is in the the the, <laughs> the Mojave Desert, but you know, there's an influence there. And hypothetically, there's giant beasts just wandering around out there. Actually, in episode four of Bella's Comet, um Albert Mock leaves town. So he went somewhere. So there, there, there is a world outside of, of Bella's Comet. We just didn't really explore it. But I assume it's happening. And I will say that Ada Aquarius also is like a world-renowned scientist. So she wasn't just like some local, like super cool newscaster who makes funny jokes on the weather broadcast. Like she was a world-renowned scientist. And Bella's Comet was understood to be the epicenter of like 
technology in that day and age. So then I guess um, after Bell's Comet hit again, we were left with Hell's Crater. What was the world outside of Hell's Crater like? Worms. Worms. <laughs> well, so um, I, for that part, I honestly considered this I didn't know about the monsters outside the city. That's a cool idea. I, I, I got, never told you and yeah. I never explained it. So like that was just me being like, here's something that I never used. I kind I of get, love that. I'm not saying it's canon, but like it was a possibility. <laughs> yeah, I I kind of love that. Um I in my mind it was very much like an apocalypse scenario where I mean we didn't there wasn't a lot of technology. So sure there might be cities thousands of miles away but number one how would you get there number two how would you communicate in any meaningful way right because you're crossing a desert for who knows how long to get to this place that you don't know where it is and there are worms and other things out there to stop you so in my mind there wasn't really a chance for them to leave hell's crater there probably are settlements somewhere else and they're probably probably don't look like hell's crater because they might be in a different environment or they might not have been as affected by this comet that hit, you know, so far away from them. But they're probably all in different stages of their technological advancements. So one of them could just be New York. I kind of like the idea of there just being like a random city where like it's just kind of understood like, oh, something happened there. Like, we don't visit that town. Some some weird shit happened out in the desert. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, uh, you know, uh, M. Night Shyamalan, the village uh, that you spend all your time. Oh, yeah. Oh, spoilers for this very old movie, I guess. But, like, at the end, they leave to try to find medicine and you find out like this weird village that looks like it was in the 1700s is actually in the middle of, like, a national park in its modern daytime. If if you all had been like, hey, we're just leaving. We just don't want to live here anymore. There are worms. We're going to wander the desert and see what happens. There was definitely an eventuality where something like that happens. You just pop your Hell's Crater characters into New York City and see what happens. That they they, they wind up in a thousand years in the future, Reno. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I mean, I think that I think that that's kind of fun to think about. That there there are other settlements and who knows what they look like. They could look like anything. Play it in your home games, folks. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Explore the world of Bellows Common outside of Bellows Common. <laughs> sure, if we ask very, very nicely, and maybe someone out there bribes them with money, they will write up a guide of oh, the world of yeah. Bellows Common and Hell's Crater. Hey, podcast networkers out there, if you want to pay us for to like continue this story <laughs> in any capacity and do the editing for us and and the social media for us and also give us money we'll i'll, I'll talk about everything uh, yeah whatever you want you want a hundred episode campaign baby i'm there pay me <laughs> pick us up pick us up you want a prequel you want a sequel you want a midquel you want a requel <laughs> you want us to reboot the whole fucking thing <laughs> put us on number slot one get rid of glee <laughs> Well, hey, if you pay us, we'll try and get that girl who yeah, got they... fired from the Scream movies for, for a new recall. <laughs> She's not doing anything, I'm sure. Yeah. And we agree with her. Yeah, we like her. Let's go. But uh, I just want to say thank you all so much once again for joining me for this Q&A session for Grant and Leah and Jenny and Squidzy, all of you, honestly, for these wonderful and exciting miniseries. The whole concept, it was just great. 
it was a lot of fun. It was I enjoyed listening to every single episode every single week. You guys did phenomenal. Uh, and I guess I do actually have one last quick question: Is how are you guys feeling now that it's all done? And you know, give us your little sign off as you answer this question. Relief, <laughs> guys. Guys, I didn't have to edit anything this week. <laughs> I didn't have to write anything this week. I didn't have fucking COVID. <laughs> it was great. Um, I mean, it's bittersweet, obviously. I am excited to have the time to go back to focus on Game Master Monday proper, but this was a, just like a special, cool thing that I never thought I'd get the chance to do. So like, thank you to Leah for um, being enthusiastic about me pitching this really stupid fucking idea. Um, thank you to Jenny and Squidzy who said yes immediately when we asked them. Even though every time I message Squidzy, I always say something to the effect of like crashes through your window, <laughs> breaks into your home. It's so good. Ap- appears so in the good. backseat of your car. <laughs> it's <laughs> you <know>? perfect. <laughs> um, thank you to uh, Prince who made all of our characters super fucking cool to look at and, and, and got the Discord all hot and bothered if we posted them. <laughs> um, all of our sponsors that played the ad on their shows uh, I, I've listened. I'm not going to remember everyone off the, off the top of my dome, but I thanked you on Twitter. So you're, you're thanked. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Kay, for taking the time to do this shit. Like, this, this was such a cool, unique, uh, really life changing opportunity for a lot of us. And, and, and I'm, I'm just I'm just grateful we got to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I would say it is incredibly bittersweet. Um this project has been so much fun. Um, I think that when you first start podcasting, um, there's a lot of stuff that you say like, oh man, I wish I would have known this when I went back. But like, you know, Grant and I, pros at this at this point, pros, there's quotes there. Uh-huh. Um, and so yeah. we got to do this thing that we were like, okay, we understand what we need to do first. And so it just felt like, this uh like well-structured well put together idea that just sort of flowed and we had these amazing people join us for our cast and the story we told is something that i stand by it's a it's a fantastic story um and i'm sad to see it end i'm really sad to see it end um it is no uh secret that my life has been a shit show lately and this was definitely somewhere that uh you know things made sense so Thank you all for doing this uh, with me and having uh, such a good time with me because I loved it. And I love you all. Gross. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jenny? This has been a whole awful lot of fun, guys. As someone who wasn't as directly involved as, say, Grant and Leo were in the whole process, I kind of got like a whole lot of I guess back bitching from Grant, like this is amazing, but God, am I is my brain tired? <laughs> uh, I got a pro, lot pro of tip, Don't do two podcasts at the same time. <laughs> it's a lot. If you, or if, if you, you want to have, have a, a social team of life, people helping you. <laughs> oh my God, I read a book this week. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> but uh, major takeaways is that even though it was frustrating and tiring in the end it was just a whole awful lot of fun and i couldn't have picked a better cast to be alongside the ride with um if i tried um just thank you very much for having me along and i'm very grateful for everyone involved here and all of our loyal fans out there 
um, just listening along and being like, this is the coolest fucking thing I've ever heard. And I was like, I know it's one of the coolest fucking things I've ever been a part of. <laughs> um, so I guess if this tells you anything, just do cool shit with cool people and awesome things will happen to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a great takeaway. Yeah. yeah. All right, Squizzy. Yeah, um, it really is bittersweet, and I I wasn't on the back end of any of it. I got to sit, I got to play, <laughs> and then I got to leave. Like <laughs> I got to go about my day. We gave Squizzy but... the red carpet treatment. <laughs> it really, they did, hundred percent. But it is bittersweet, you know, because it was we all knew going in twelve episodes. That's it. Now, did we expect the cut in the middle and the switch? No, <laughs> but. <laughs> But it was a lot of fun. Um, it was a lot of fun to be a part of the big project. It was a lot of fun to be really in my first short form, long form for me kind of podcast. Um, yeah, I really, I was really spoiled. Um, so, <laughs> 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 yeah. All right. Well, again, thank you guys so much for having me come in and host. Thank you so much for Bella's comment and Hell's Crater. Um, Glad you guys finally get some well-earned rest and a good break. See, I'm going to sleep for a year. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is your friendly neighborhood, Kay, the Game Master for Dude Where's My Drift, which is where you can find me every other Monday on Twitch at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and on socials at DWMD Podcasts. Signing off, passing the torch off to Grant. Thank you, Kay. Uh, go listen to Slay the Stars and Game Master Monday if you want to hear more of these voices. And by Squidzy's Game Neon Shadows. It just came out. It's super fucking it's good. It's so fucking good. Go go get it's it. It's so amazing. fucking it's good. Go, go, go now. And with that, I think we can officially say that is the end yep. of Bella's Comet. Thank you all. And we'll see you in other places <laughs> as we're never doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> get out, everybody. Bye. 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 Goodbye.